Hello ladies, my name is Anne and welcome to Ladies Alcove. Alright, so I feel like I haven't been here with you guys for a very long time and I am super excited to be just having a conversation with you, with you guys and, you know, continuing this podcast. So I'm really excited. And today's topic, conversation, is... I believe super duper interesting and also very important. I actually stumbled upon this video, I believe last week and ever since I saw it, I was just like, oh my goodness, we have to discuss this on the podcast. Um, It's so important. And um, yeah, so we're going to dive right into it. So what we're going to do for today's episode we are going to actually listen to the video that I watched. And as we're listening to it, I'm going to comment, do my commentary. And then when we're done, I'm going to give, we're just going to keep talking. All right. Yeah, let's just get right into it. I debated posting this um, because I know how bad it's going to be when people get this answer from me. Um, but there were so many people that asked um, that I decided after a lot of thought and consideration that I will go ahead and respond to the most asked question from my last video, which is what professions in women should men avoid? And a lot of you thought that those same professions for um, men that I told you to avoid would translate to women and they really don't. I don't think that there's enough data out there for me to, to comment on that. But the few, I've had one military um, female client who was pretty difficult. But other than that, um, I've not seen any correlation in those same professions. But I went through my case list. And if you have a problem with me giving an introduction to this, then just scroll along because I'm about to hurt a lot of people. So I'm gonna explain what I have to say. Uh, and you're gonna have to listen to it if you want the answer. Um, I went through my case list and there's about 60 cases on my case list. And there are some common professions that I see in women. The most common one that I see is teacher. The second most common is nurse, but. All right, so let's just stop here. <laughs> I felt like she was literally already coming from my life and we barely got even into the meat of the video. I felt like I was already doomed for failure because I'm a nurse and I'm like, oh my goodness, my profession is already setting me up for failure. Oh my goodness. But she kept going and we're going to keep listening to what she, what else she has to say. The most common one that I see is teacher. The second most common is nurse. But those cases are not cases where the female is really difficult or litigious or anything like that. They're just kind of run of the mill cases. Um, the most common profession that I see in the female parties in my divorces. And this is over 13 years of cases. Um, oh my God, I'm so nervous. Is um, stay at home mom. All right. <laughs> so we are definitely stopping here. We are stopping here. All right, so I felt better when she said that, you know, nurses would get divorced are not very litigious. It's just one of those cases where, you know, they get a divorce and that's that, right? Great, I felt better. 
But she said stay-at-home moms. As many of you guys do not know, that is actually one of my dreams. Well, not necessarily stay-at-home mom, but I want to be a homemaker if I have children or not. Because, you know, sometimes you just run into issues. You can't have children. But my family, when I do have my family, I want my family to be the center of well I'll say the focus right so when I heard stay at home mom I was completely shocked when I tell you I was not prepared for her to say that I truly was not prepared I'm like oh my goodness how can this be like the Lord wants us to you know take care of our families take care of our children how can it be that stay-at-home moms are more likely and when they do get divorced it's just chaos horrible just a bad situation altogether she's going to explain more of why that is and what she says is highly highly eye-opening and Ladies, I really don't want you to miss this, especially if being a homemaker or a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home wife is what you want for your life. Really pay attention to it, and then we're going to dissect everything. Um, hate me. I know y'all are going to hate me, but let me explain why. Um, number one, when you're divorcing a stay-at-home mom, they are paralyzed with fear, and rightfully so because their whole life is going to change. They are going to have to go back to the workforce. They're gonna have to possibly move. Their finances are about to be very different. There's lots of things that they don't know financially about what's going on. And so um, they tend to stick their head in the sand and stall. And so the cases become very contested and very expensive. The second reason that I see that stay-at-home moms end up being the most uh, common profession in a divorce is that I think there's a tendency, and this is completely my opinion, just based on my observations. They tend to focus so much on the children and the husband focuses so much on career that she, they, first of all, they don't feel appreciated by one another, but the husband starts feeling like an ATM and the wife becomes completely focused on the children and they tend to grow apart. So I think that's why it's the most common. That's not hate, just an observation. It's probably my last TikTok. So see ya. All right. So that was the end of the video. And honestly, I felt like everything she said was very, very sensible. And it made sense as to why um, stay-at-home moms are more likely to get divorced and to have a very crazy, bitter divorce. It just makes sense. And those are two, there are two things that I mostly saw while she was speaking that made it so. The number one thing I saw was fear. When you're a stay-at-home mom, most of the time you're not working, you're just taking care of the, of the household and of the children or anything else, making sure that everybody's doctor's appointments are done, um, volunteering or whatever else and you're mostly for the most part relying on your husband for financial support 
So when you're getting divorced, then you don't have that financial stability that you once had, or at least you won't have that financial stability that you won't have. And based on what that lawyer just said, uh, the stay-at-home mom stalls the divorce, like prolongs it forever. And of course, when you prolong something in court, that becomes a financial issue. <laughs> the husband's probably upset about it. She, the mom, the wife is also upset. Financial burden becomes even worse. They start to fight. 100% cognitively understand why that is so. Now, number two is what I feel like is probably the most important of the two and what I noticed is that one of the reasons for the increased divorce and the bitter divorce is marital neglect so the woman all she does is focus on the kids the husband all he does is focus on his work they are no longer prioritizing each other Essentially, they become strangers in the home. <laughs> you're living with a stranger, mating with a stranger, but you're not emotionally connected with the person, probably not financially connected, socially connected. And eventually, it's like, why am I in this marriage? Um, and like the lawyer said, the husband starts to feel like an ATM and the wife starts feeling emotionally neglected. She's no longer emotionally attached um, no more warm fuzzies for her husband and her kids now become her life. So essentially she loses herself and he just, I don't know. I don't know what men would think in this specific situation. Maybe he's just there, I guess. I guess that's for the lack of better words. But that's just really a horrible place to be in a marriage and as someone who is single, I'm not here to try to give advice to women who are married because I do not know how it feels like to be married. And neither am I here to give advice to stay-at-home moms because I do not know what it's like to be one, a mom, two, a stay-at-home mom, <laughs> a stay-at-home wife, or any of that. So I'm not that this is not me giving advice to you guys. Although you still might find this, you know, conversation interesting. But I am single. So this is kind of like a cautionary, cautionary tale for me. Who wants to be a homemaker when I do get married? And for other young ladies who want to be homemakers as well. So I really am glad that I stumbled upon this um, audio video. Because now it helps me to have an open eye to the woes in marriage and kind of prepare my mind for when it does happen so that I can, I don't know, kind of divorce proof my marriage. I mean, I can't pr foolproof my marriage completely because we live in a sinful world, but with God, I believe that he can show us different ways that we can prepare as singles for the future but before i even get into that i was watching someone else react to what i just showed you guys and i was looking at the comments and i saw two comments in particular that i wanted to 
talk about and just share with you ladies. And But um, this one I read, I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to share the name. But this is what one of the ladies in the comment section said. She said, traditional marriage works for the mentally stable. <laughs> First of all, that's funny. But that's so true. If you're not mentally there, don't even get married because it's going to beat you up. Not that I have experience on it, but people, other people have said it. And obviously she has said it here. So that's something for us single ladies to pay attention to. Marriage, well, traditional marriage works for the mentally stable. <laughs> she continues to say that mentally stable people can come up can come allow the wife to come home from work for a few years, take care of the kids and contribute to the home, and when the kids go to school, go back to work. Marriage works when you do it God's way. You continue an active date-each-other lifestyle, regular and scheduled sex. People thought I was ridiculous when I talked about scheduled sex 10 years ago. I'm still married and they are not. Goal setting with spouse annually and regular marriage for maintenance sessions with others with, with other couples and accountability partners. The problem is most people are raised in trauma and then they get married mentally unstable. I see no lies detected in this comment at all. So she said that um, back in the day, uh, the husband would allow the wife to come home from work for a few years and take care of the kids and continue to um, take care of the home. And then when the kids go back to school or go to school, the wife goes back to work if she decides to. And she says that marriage works when we do it God's way, which I 100% believe, right? And she here continues to give a few tips. She says it is important to have date nights regularly and she also talks about regular and scheduled sex from what i hear that's very important in relationships and i think that single people are more tempted to engage in sexual activities more than a lot of married couples do and i think that that's the snare of the enemy like um you're tempted to sin and then when you actually are in a covenant where you can enjoy these moments with your spouse, you're just uninterested. That's awful. So I really like that she brought up the fact that having regular and scheduled sex is very important. And she even gives a small testimony of how that has helped her own marriage even though other people thought that it was ridiculous to do so. And I also like that she said that goal setting with spouse annually and regular marriage maintenance sessions are important. Um, I was talking to a guy where he talked about premarital um, sessions. I not, No, pre-engagement sessions. And I, th I never heard of that, so I thought that was interesting. But um, based on that, it sounds like Sessions, therapy sessions are important throughout life, right? The Bible says that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So that also is important in marriage. So that's before engagement, during engagement, 
and during marriage because you will come up in situations where you will have issues and you need a second pair of eyes to help you with the issue. Anyways, so I'm going to read a second comment that I read and it says this. I disagree with her that men should avoid them and them is homemakers or um, stay-at-home moms. What's to avoid? Women aren't stay-at-home moms before they marry and have kids. It's a choice they both make when they get married. My husband and I chose for me to stay home with our children 20 plus years ago. He has always valued the fact that I am in that role. He has never once had to take off work for a sick kid he has never once had to leave work early for a parent-teacher conference. He has never once had to go shopping for school supplies or school clothes. He has been able to focus on his career and climb the corporate ladder, knowing that everything at home is taken care of. If we were to divorce someday, you're right, I would be owed alimony and half of what we owe. We are equal partners, period. And I... I like that she disagreed with the lady, but also made some very valid points. Like who, like how are you supposed to be a homemaker or stay at home mom before you're married? I mean, I bet some women do do that in certain situations, but overall, it's a decision that both the par partners make. And I think that what I got from that comment is that it's very important as us single ladies to choose correctly to choose someone who values a homemaker, but also going back to the previous lady's comment to put in the work to keep the marriage lively. That's the whole point. If you do make the decision to become a homemaker or a stay-at-home mom, in the end, that cannot just be what you do all the time. Your husband also has to be very important because children do need for their parents to be loving towards each other that's how generations become healthier and healthier family is super duper important and if we just take it as a casual thing our generations are going to continually decrease more people are going to have traumatic experiences and we know this is a known fact that a lot of the people who have trauma as adults a lot of it if not most of it or all of it is traced back into the childhood so if you're thinking marriage don't think just about yourself it's so important to make it right to think to do the hard work because it not only affects you if you don't do the right work to put in the work but it affects your children and future generations Anyways, so those are the two comments I wanted to talk about. But then I wanted to share some tips for us single ladies. Of course, those are not tips that I know, like, I, like I'm all, I'm perfect at or any of that. This is just from reflection, from listening to this audio. And those are just two simple tips, but then we're going to get deeper. And the first tip is to understand the importance of a hierarchy in marriage. Yes. There is a hierarchy in marriage. And for me, I think this hierarchy is God first, self second, 
Yes, I will explain why I say self-second. Spouse third and children last. So God first, self second, spouse third, children last. So about God being first, I believe that the Lord is all-knowing, all-powerful. He created love and families, and he knows exactly how families are supposed to work. So when we stay connected to Christ, he, through his Holy Spirit, leads us to act how we're supposed to act, say what we need to say. And sometimes something might be wrong with our spouse, and he might just inspire us to be like, hey, check up your, on your spouse right now, because they're struggling with something. And just following the leading of the Holy Spirit, I believe, just increases intimacy between spouses, not only spouses, but parents and children, and just the whole world. That's sometimes it, just that concept might seem so taboo, but I really don't believe so. I believe that the closer we get to the Lord, the closer we'll get to our friends, families, and in this specific conversation, our spouses. And of course, I'm not married, but my friend recently told me that the closer she and her husband get to the Lord, the better their relationship is. And she believes that her relationship has just been getting better and better with the Lord and I believe that it's the same. It's going to be the same for every single one of us if we are um, very steadfast and if we are focused, for a lack of better words, on our relationship with the Lord. And um, yeah, I do believe that he will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that includes in our marital relationships. Now, self-second, that sounds sacrilegious and weird and selfish and counterproductive, but I really don't believe that it is so. And the reason why I don't believe so is because of the verse in Mark 12 verses 28 to 31, and I'm going to read it for us so that we can have a better understanding of what I'm talking about. And Mark 12 verses 28 to 31 says this, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these where where i want to focus on is mark 12 verse 31 where it says in the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself and i feel like many of us are trying to love other people without loving ourselves we're hating ourselves we're not taking care of ourselves we're basically trying to pour into others when we have an empty cup and that's just not how it works when you're focused on your relationship with god that's self-care making sure you're resting making sure you're drinking your water exercising eating well that is self-care and when you are full you are able to pour into your husband you're able to pour into your children and other neighbors so self-care let's not act like it isn't 
It is very important and it is not selfish to take care of yourself. In fact, I do believe that it is sin to neglect yourself to put others above. Let me just say that again. I believe that it is sin to neglect yourself in order to put others above. And you want to know why? If you don't focus on your relationship with God, which I say is also part of self-care, you are making others an idol. I'm not talking about the health, unhealthy self-love that the world has been talking about. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But the Bible also talks about this: your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you don't take care of yourself, what are you doing to the temple? You're destroying it. And when you're destroying that temple, which is yours that the Lord has given you, there is no way that you're building other pe- other people up. It just that's just not how it works. And we for- we forget that I believe that we we only think that sacrificing ourselves for others is what the Lord has called us. But no, there is balance to it. We need to love God, love ourselves, and in turn, we will be able to love others. Which leads me to the third hierarchy, the third level in this hierarchy called marriage. And that is your spouse. You can't neglect your spouse. And there are so many verses that talks about this specifically. Titus 2 gives a lot of advice for women when it comes to homemaking. And the verse that I want to focus mostly on, really the first part, is this it says that they the older women admonish the young women to love their husbands and if you read the whole verse actually you'll see what i'm talking about when it comes to the hierarchy but um yes it's a very biblical thing to love your husbands and i watch a lot of videos and read a lot of stories articles and things of such and one way that we women can show love to our husbands is by respecting them respecting their masculine roles and living in our feminine self and allowing the husband to take lead. So I'm not a femininity guru. There are a lot of femininity gurus out there on YouTube and there are books. And those are just um, resources that we can use in order to understand better how to love our husbands And I think that would be a good idea to have some men on the podcast to share about certain different topics. But yes, loving our husbands is definitely very important. And I actually also wanted to share some research that was done on this specific topic. I'm only going to read a little bit of the abstract and I also have the link for the for the article in the description, but the title is Parents' Relationship Quality in Children's Behavior in Stable Marriage and Cohabitating Families. So in this top, in this article, we're going to see the relation between the parents' relationship quality and how it affects children's behavior. Um, before we get even into the, into the article, I remember reading something that says that a husband was dancing with his wife in the kitchen and his little girl 
was just watching them and then eventually she just ran up to her parents crying and the dad was asking her why she was crying and she said that she was crying because she saw how much her parents loved each other and that choked up the parents to hear their children say that but that's just how it works and this article is basically increasing that belief so here it says that they found that parents greater supportiveness has a slight association with lower levels of children's behavioral problems and it continues to say that they also found some evidence that parents relationship quality and children's behavioral problems are reciprocally related Overall, the study suggests that more positive couple interactions are beneficial for children residing with both of their biological parents. The studies are clear here. I mean, we are we all already knew this, right? When you have a hostile environment as a child that really affects you as an adult, the studies are showing it what the Bible is already saying. We're supposed to have such a strong relationship with our spouse. And in turn, it increases our children's mental health in a way. And it propagates healthy children, grandchildren, and generations to come. So that's exactly why I believe in this hierarchy. God leads us. And the more we spend time with God, we are filled so we can share with others. And the this, this first person we share this fullness with is our spouse. And then, last but definitely not least, is the children or are the children. And this does not mean that children are supposed to be neglected. I think that a lot of women, when they hear this, they think, there is no way I'm going to leave my three-month-old and just be all up under my husband when my baby wants to eat. Obviously, feed your child. <laughs> but in the midst of taking care of your infant, also spend time with your husband. That's just all that there is to it. Like have grandma come and then have grandma take care of the children in the home. And then you just go in the backyard and have some marshmallows or something like that. That's just, you know, an idea. Of course, I'm not, you know, telling you what to do, but this is just for us as single ladies, me, as I'm talking about this to like have in my mind for when the time does come. It's going to be harder than I'm seeing it right now. I'm 100% sure because you're going to be tired waking up all night trying to feed the baby. And then during the day, the baby is like crying. You have to clean the house because it's you just can't stand it. The bed is still a mess. You haven't showered. I get it. The closest I've been to it was babysitting and it was hard. I felt like I was washing dishes every 10 minutes. But... It's still important. Hire help, get help, or whatever. Your marriage cannot disintegrate because, let's face it, when the kids do get older, guess what? They're going to leave. So what you have done during that time is all going to surface. If you all you did was take care of the kids and left your husband in the back burner, when the kids leave, 
that back burner is going to start heating. <laughs> so that's just how life works. And that's just what the lady was trying to talk about. The husband feels like an ATM and the woman feels emotionally neglected all because they just neglected each other. All right. So now for my second tip for us ladies who are single. And my tip is don't settle. Choose the right spouse for you. And how do we do that though? I say that the number one way to not settle and to choose the right spouse is to let God guide. I 100% believe that the Lord blocks doors that needs to be blocked. My second relationship ended horrifically. It was bad, 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 bad. Like I wish I could express. Maybe one day I will share my testimony, but it was bad right it didn't dawn on me until months later that I actually prayed for God to break us up I was starting to get closer to God but for some reason I don't know why I prayed I asked the Lord Lord if he's not the one break us up and he sure did so when you let the Lord guide you and you pray he will show up I kid you not he did it for me several times and he will continue to do it now, number two is have a good support system. Sometimes the the answer might be delayed from God, like a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But it, in that time, I promise you, emotions will be all up in the air. You won't be able, able to see anything. But that's where the good support system comes because they are able in most cases, well, in many cases, to tell you if you're missing something, if you're not seeing something. So if you have a good group of people that you trust to tell you the truth, they can tell you like, hey, I don't think you and that guy match or, or that guy's actually pretty bad for you or actually he's a good guy. You know, if you have a good support system, they can help you make the best decision without being blinded by emotions. And the third thing that can help us choose the right pals and not settle is to know ourselves and to know what we want. To value ourselves. When you know what you want, it's kind of easier to see if someone fits what you want or not. And when you value yourself, you are able to say no to what you're highly tempted to take that you know is not right for you. So... Take this time, like this is a lesson for me as we are single to get to know ourselves even more and to, our, and to increase our value in God for ourselves. Because when we do that, we won't be able to take, we will not be willing to rather take things that are subpar or not meant for us. Because not only, like I said before, not only does it affect us, in the end, it affects our spouses, it affects our children if we have any, and it affects generations. We don't want that. We absolutely do not want to participate in the disintegration of society. 
So yeah, ladies, that is all I have for you today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really enjoyed listening to this lawyer share her experiences of why homemakers are more likely to have litigious, bitter divorces. And those are just my thoughts. If you have any other thoughts, please feel free to email me at ladiesalcove at gmail.com. That's L-A-D-I-E-S-A-L-C-O-V-E at gmail.com. And yeah, let's chat. Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.